When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Pie catcher. A series of true stories of the unceasing search for enemy spies in water. Based on the memoirs of Lieutenant Colonel Oreste Pinto of the Allied Counterintelligence Service. This week's story is entitled Happy Landing. The part of Colonel Pinto is played by Bernard Archer. From Dunkirk in June 1940 until D-Day in June 1944, Britain was cut off from the continent of Europe. Nevertheless, during the four years, thousands of men and women managed to escape from occupied Europe and make the dangerous and forbidding journey to Britain. Most of them were patriots, but some of them... Some of the bravest were spies. It was my job to catch the spies. Some escape plans were direct and bold. Some were quite fantastic. And to my mind, the most fantastic of all was the escape made in 1941 by a young French nobleman and his valet. They had flown from the center of occupied France to England in an airplane that they had built themselves. By all accounts, it's a weird contraption. And they flew it from France? Yes, sir. One of our fighter patrols spotted them coming over the channel. They could hardly believe their eyes. Just bits of wooden piano wire. <laughs> well, where is this um, airplane? The RAF have it down in West Sussex, sir. Everyone's having a look at it. They say it's the weirdest thing since the Wright brothers. <laughs> a French nobleman and his valet. Oh, yes, sir. They were brought up from Sussex this morning. They're waiting outside. All right, I'll see them now. The vicomte first, sir. Yes. What's he like? Well, he's a young man, sir. About 25, 28... The valet's a few years older, about 30, I'd say. Rough, country type. He seems to worship his master. Keeps dancing attendance on him all the time. Well, in that case, I'd better see them both. Yes, sir. This way, please. Thank you. Monsieur le Vicomte, I'm pleased to meet you, Colonel. This is my servant, Marcel. Good afternoon, Marcel. Good afternoon, monsieur. Uh, will you sit down, please? Thank you. Please sit down, Marcel. You may sit, Marcel. Uh, thank you, Monsieur Le Vicomte. I hear you had a most remarkable adventure, Monsieur. Will you tell me about it? It's a long story, Colonel. It has many parts. What is it you'd like to know? The story of your escape, from the beginning, please. And it began with the fall of France, Colonel, one year ago. Oh, uh, sit down. Thank you. Marcel? Uh, no, thank you, Monsieur. As you know, Colonel, our army surrendered to the Germans. My regiment was disbanded, and it was each for himself. So I returned to my estate. 
Like France, I was humiliated, and I prepared to suffer under the Bosch until times were changed. But this was not to be. The Bosch had a different plan for people like me. The ordinary people of France were to suffer, yes, but uh, not the wealthy and the influential. We were to be favored and separated from the people. A German colonel called Kruger was made commandant of our district. He soon learned that all the villagers and all the small farmers looked to me as their leader and would take their attitude from me. So he moved to isolate me, to make it seem that I was cooperating with the Germans. German troops were billeted in the village homes and on the small farms, but no German soldier was billeted at my chateau or on my estate. I was to enjoy freedom. The produce of the farms was commandeered to feed the German soldiers, but the produce of my estate was not touched. I was to live in luxury. I was prepared for harshness from the Bosch, but this kindness was even more humiliating. It made me feel very lonely and very bitter. Yes, I can understand that. Of course, I discouraged this Kruger in the only way I could. I refused all his invitations to functions and dinners. I wouldn't be seen with him. And at night, with the help of Marcel, I began to supply food to the villagers whenever I could. But I remained a prisoner on my estate. And this led to the aeroplane? Yes. This imprisonment gave me much time to think. Now, before the war, I'd held a pilot's license, a civil license. I was not a good flyer, but I'd been keen and I'd been able to qualify. And in my garage, idle and now useless like myself, was my Rolls-Royce. A Rolls-Royce makes the finest engines in the world. England was not far away. I decided to make an aeroplane and fly it to England with myself. No, no, alone. My first idea was to try this thing alone. Then as I planned it, I knew I must have help. Help in building the fuselage and help in the takeoff. And this help must come from my trusted Marcel. But if he helped me, I couldn't leave him behind. I asked him one day and he agreed, and that's how it happened. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you decided to build an aeroplane, and please go on. I decided to think about it and to make sketches. It was just an idea. And to look around the chateau for things that might be useful in this task, to make it possible. After all, it requires more than an engine, no matter how good. In one of the buildings, Marcel found an old canvas sail. It was the sail for a boat my father had had, and it was... Mostly in good condition. Now, this we could cut into slips to stretch over the framework of the wings. We put this aside and we searched for other things. We agreed that we could break up one of my old cars, a small car, and use the wheels. A timber was difficult. We searched for many weeks, measuring this and that and testing the wood. In the end, we decided it would have to be a dining room table. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pity. It was a fine old table, very beautiful. Did you know anything about um, aircraft construction, about... Uh, Aerodynamics? Well, enough to know that an aeroplane to carry both of us requires a different design from an aeroplane to carry one. <laughs> that extra fuel meant extra weight, and all this must be carefully calculated. There would be other dangers when we began to build it. So to begin, I must know what I have to do. Well, I applied to the Germans for a pass to go to Paris. I told them it was official business about the estate. But in fact, it was to get some books on aircraft construction. I returned with the books and studied them thoroughly. When I reached the advanced chapters, I realized that my grasp of mathematics, which was good, wasn't good enough for this task. If the aeroplane was to fly first time, there was no room for error. It was then very much in desperation. But I remembered an old friend of my father's, a professor of mathematics, who was now living in retirement not far from my estate, at Evreux. I got into touch with him and asked him if he could coach me in advanced mathematics, particularly trigonometry. Did you tell him why? Oh, no, no. I didn't wish to involve a third person. I explained to him that I was now virtually a prisoner of the Germans. 
seldom allowed to leave my estate. And this was how I wished to occupy my time. <laughs> he was delighted to help me. And so, two or three times a week, he came to my home to coach me. Now, I knew what materials I had, and Marcel had cleared one of the large outbuildings, which was to be our workshop. Uh, German aircraft sometimes flew over the estate, so of course it, we couldn't build it in the open. And of course, I didn't know how long the task would take. How long has it taken up to this point? Until the designs were completed? Mm. Um, about five months. But we were now ready to build the aeroplane. And, excuse me. Yes, Pinto, what is it? Oh, uh, how urgent. All right, in about two minutes. Well, I'm afraid we must break there for the moment, but um, I notice it's almost tea time. Perhaps you'd like to have tea in the officer's mess, and we can continue our talk in oh, about an hour's time. Of course, I'm at your service. I'll send an orderly to you when I'm free, monsieur. Thank you, Colonel. Au revoir. Au revoir, monsieur. Oh, uh, come in, Captain. All right, what is it? A report, sir, for your signature. The dispatch rider's waiting for it now. Oh, thank you. How are the Wright brothers, sir? <laughs> well, it's an interesting story. Um, you say the RAF have this airplane? Yes, sir. Hmm. Well, I want a complete technical report on it as soon as possible. Yes, sir. I'll organize that straight away. I gave the Vicomte time to enjoy his tea, and then I decided to hear more about his adventure. This time, I decided to see the Vicomte alone. Come in, monsieur. Oh. I'm sorry I wasn't able to join you at tea. I hope they looked after you well. Very well, thank you. Uh, will you sit down, please? Sure. Now, you'd reached the point where you were able to build this aeroplane. You wish to hear about it? Please. Well, um, I told you we couldn't build it in the open, and we'd cleared one of the large outbuildings near the stable for a hangar. Well, now there was another danger. My staff at the chateau. So I had Marcel spread a rumor among my servants that I was experimenting to see if I could make one of my old cars run on charcoal. Oh, <laughs> that was very good security. Then, behind this facade, we began. We took the large dining table, and we cut it carefully to my plans to fashion the struts and long timbers for the fuselage. As we completed each one, we hid it away. When the struts and the spars were all made, we began to cut up the canvas sails. Again, most carefully, because there was very little to spare. Then came the time to assemble the fuselage. Finally, the precious Rolls-Royce engine had to be taken from the car and fitted on the aeroplane. Now, this was the difficult moment, and for this, Marcel was the supervisor. And it was done successfully. There remained two problems. The propeller and the fuel. Now, the propeller we could make and test in time. The petrol was another problem. We needed 70 or 75 liters for the journey. And petrol was rationed by the journey, severely rationed, even to the transport company. It was then that Marcel found the solution. He reminded me that our local German commandant, Colonel Kruger, was keen to win my friendship. His idea was that I should have a party at the chateau for Kruger and his senior officers. They would arrive in their staff cars. When I'd received my guests, Marcel would then invite the drivers for refreshments. He would also invite some local girls to entertain them. Now, when the party below stairs was in progress, the resourceful master would slip out and siphon petrol from the tanks of the staff cars. At first, I wouldn't listen to this. I was against showing any friendship to the Germans. But in the end, it was clear that there was no other way, and so I agreed. I decided that this should also be very well planned. 
We should not take too much petrol at any one time. Only uh, five liters from each car. And this would require three or four parties. And did they all go well? No. No, not all of them. At the second one, Marcel was almost caught, huh? But he left the German drivers being very well entertained. He was engaged in siphoning the petrol when one of the Germans came out to his car. It seemed he'd brought a present for one of the local girls and he'd come out to his car to get it. Marcel was at work on this car. <laughs> but the German was already happy on his apple brandy or too intent on his amorous mission. Anyway, he saw nothing. Oh, lucky. Yes. The third party went off without trouble and we then had 60 liters of petrol. Just one more party and we'd be ready. But the last one, oh, I shall never forget it. We'd finished dinner and we were sitting over our coffee and brandy. Kruger was being ingratiating as ever. But I was hardly prepared for his next request. Monsieur le Vicomte, hmm? I have a small favor to ask of you tonight. Of course, Colonel. Anything you wish. Some of my young officers are not fully aware of the qualities of the enemy that await us across the English Channel. I am told that you have in your garage the famous English Rolls Royce. That is so, Colonel. I would like you to show it to my staff. I would like my young officers to see that the English at their best are not fools. Of course, Colonel. You wish to see it now? Why not? Gentlemen, I would like you to come with me for a moment. I have something very interesting to show you. I couldn't refuse. So we left the dining room. As we passed the outbuildings, I had a vision of our precious aeroplane, like the skeleton of a giant bird and shrouded in dust sheets. And in the garage, my Rolls Royce gleaming and magnificent, but without an engine. There was nothing I could do. So we entered the garage. Ah, magnificent, monsieur. <laughs> it is magnificent. Uh, one day we must supply you with petrol and you will take my officers for a tour of this magnificent car. Uh, but that is not possible at the moment. So with your permission, monsieur, I will show it to them and demonstrate the wonders of English engineering. Of course, Colonel. Major, hold my glass and come with me. He took his staff on a tour of inspection, examining the coachwork, the upholstery, the design, the symbol on the radiator. But he didn't lift the bonnet. He didn't. I don't know why I was waiting for him to do so, but he didn't. And we returned to the dining room. <laughs> what a narrow escape. Did Marcel have the same good luck? By good fortune, yes. Next morning, we had 80 liters of petrol, and so we were ready for the flight. I sent all of the staff to the village or to the farms on various pretexts. And in the afternoon, when the estate was clear, we wheeled the aeroplane out of the hangar. Uh, did you have a, a suitable runway? It was a simple aeroplane. It would require only a short run. And there was an avenue which would do. But I climbed into the cockpit. Marcel stood by the propeller. We went quickly through the cockpit drills, which we'd often rehearsed. And the engine fired first time. I kept the engine running for a few minutes while Marcel attended to the chocks and held the plane, which was shaking a great deal. Then I gave him the signal and he climbed in behind me. The engine responded. We taxied and bumped down the avenue. 
Uh, the engine had been set in low gear to give the maximum revolution. And gradually, we gained speed, and in the end, staggered into the air. We just cleared the orchard, and we were airborne. Well, you now had 150 miles to fly. Um, were you spotted? Uh, not from the air, but farm workers stopped in the fields to look up at us, and, and a country bus stopped while the passengers got out to wave to us. <laughs> Where did you cross the French coast? Near the Trepot, uh, south of the Trepot. We were flying very low when we crossed the coast, and I remembered that this was good aerial tactics. A plane flying so low over the sea is difficult to attack. <laughs> but she was also shaking so much that I wondered if with, well, only 30 miles to go, she might fall apart. I knew she wouldn't stay afloat long enough to save our lives. But luck was with us. And halfway across, Marcel reported a flight of spitfires. The leader came down to inspect us. It seemed to, to flash past like lightning. Marcel waved our white flag, and one by one, the Spitfires came down for a closer look. You could see them <laughs> laughing in the cockpit and, and giving us a thumbs-up sign. We knew we were safe, and we waved to them. They left two planes to circle us and lead us to their aerodrome. Where was this? In Sussex. Oh, it was such a welcome. I couldn't spoil it, and luckily I was able to land my aeroplane without crashing. The escort gave us a victory roll, and the men of the air station came... Running out to see us. <laughs> well, I've heard many stories in this room of escapes and adventures, but this is the most remarkable and the most ingenious. <laughs> a dining table, a sail, and a Rolls-Royce engine. Thank you. It took one year, Colonel, but now we're free. One year since the fall of France. What will you do now? Join the gold. Excuse me. Yes? Oh, um, I'd like to see it now. Yes, thank you. More matters of business. Oh. Well, I've enjoyed hearing your story, and perhaps you will dine with me this evening. Delighted. Until this evening. Thank you. Uh, come in, Captain. The technical report on the airplane, sir. It's just come in. Sir, thank you. Rather amusing, sir. They think it's something out of this world, sir. Yes? Maybe. Let's see what they have to say. I studied the RAF report with care. It had been an almost impossible sight. There was no doubt that the RAF had examined the airplane in great detail. But I didn't find this report very amusing. I decided that I'd now see the servant, Marcel, alone. And this time, I'd get the truth from him. Come in, Marcel. Please sit down. Thank you, monsieur. I've spoken to your master, Marcel, and he's agreed that I should see you alone. Uh, you have his permission to answer any questions I ask. Where is Monsieur Le Vicomte? He's in the office of his mess, but you have his permission to answer my questions. Mm. He's told me his story, but he says you also have a story. I worked only with my master, but I, I can tell you all that I know. From the time the plans were made, how long did it take you together to construct the aeroplane? Uh, five months. Seven months until we had the petrol, Monsieur required. And this was your responsibility, stealing the petrol? Uh, siphoning the petrol. It belonged to France. We didn't think of it as stealing. But this was your job? Uh, I was a chauffeur, Monsieur. This was my job. Uh, but my master made it possible. Did your master ever help you at any time? No, Monsieur. Well, he entertained Colonel Kluger and his officers. They brought their cars to the chateau. When the German officers were ready to leave and would alert their drivers, uh, my master would ring a bell to the servants' quarters to warn me. But I was always finished by then. Hmm. In the end, you had 80 litres. Uh, that's what we required. Your other concern was the engine. Well, that was the concern of both of us. It was a heavy engine. Oh, 
Oh, you mean to put it in the plane? Yeah. Well, my master designed a block and tackle to lift it. Then it wasn't a difficult job. One had to be careful, but it, it wasn't difficult. You had always driven the car for your master. There was no other chauffeur. Uh, no, monsieur. Well, you'd maintained it well. <laughs> Thank you, monsieur. Are you a trained mechanic? Uh, yes. Otherwise, I could not master the engine. Oh, the, the petrol pipes had to be lengthened and, and things of that sort. Yes. Now, your master is a very courageous man, Marcel. Mm -hmm. Well-educated and intelligent. But in fact, he is an amateur. Now, I mean that in the very best way. He understands the principle of things, but he's not used to working with his hands. He is a, a true amateur. And that's why he needed your help with the petrol pipes and such things. He is a nobleman. He did the planning. You did the rough work. I am a servant. Had you ever flown before? Uh, no, monsieur. Were you ever afraid when you contemplated this strange flight? Oh, no, monsieur. I have faith in my master. I'll do anything he asks of me. That's always been the way. Well, we can talk as practical men, can't we? Mm -hmm. We both know, and this is something Monsieur Le Vicomte clearly does not know, that a motor car engine, even one so fine as the Rolls Royce, has a comparatively low compression ratio. Well, too low to be used as an aero engine. Isn't that so? Your engine, uh, I've had it examined. I um, have this report. Your engine has had the compression ratio raised up to ten to one. Who altered it? Uh, but if, if this now, you were the mechanic. Who retuned this engine? It was expertly done. Who did it? All right. I'll tell you. You're a practical mechanic. You knew that your master's plan was impracticable, the plane would crash, and you both would die or be captured. But he's your master and can't disagree, so you make these alterations without telling him. He is a determined man, monsieur, and I have to make these things possible. Of course. Uh, next point. It's no use raising the compression ratio unless you can also obtain suitable petrol. High-octane petrol. Where did you get it? From the motor cars, monsieur. Well, the remaining petrol from your tank has been examined by the RAF. It's high-octane petrol suitable for high compression ratio. It's German aviation petrol. Where did you get it? On your own admission, you obtained the petrol. And you did not tighten it for motor cars. Where did you get it? How did you get it? When did you sell your master to the Germans? I did not sell my master. You sold yourself? What was the bargain? Why do you say this? Because you couldn't fly safely to England without German help. It was my master who flew to England. He brought me here. Very well. Your master is a prisoner on his estate. In desperation or frustration, he gets this plan. He can fly and resist engines standing idle. He'll make a plane and fly 150 miles. It's courageous, but you know it's impracticable. He'll kill you both. There's one hope if the Germans will discover the plane. So you go to the Germans. I did not go to the Germans. Listen. You go to the Germans to sell your master. And instead, they buy you because Colonel Kluger has other fish to fry. Monsieur is uncooperative and is of no use to him. But you can be useful to the Germans if they can get you into England. Kluger tells you how to use the Rolls-Royce engine. He sees that you get expert advice, and he will supply petrol at a price. So you have to put a plan to your master. That he invites the commandant and staff to the chateau and entertains them. That you will siphon petrol from the car. But you didn't have to siphon anything. It was brought to you by one of the drivers, 20 liters at a time. I did what my master told me. I siphoned this petrol. It was aviation it. petrol. There's still some in the tank. Listen to the rest of the story. It fits so well. Colonel Kluger is enjoying his joke against your master. 
And when the aeroplane has been completed and the last of the petrol delivered, he wants to inspect the Rolls Royce. Well, your master is a courageous man, but at this late hour, the eleventh hour, this little joke must have put his courage to the test. Colonel Kruger himself demonstrates the wonders of the Rolls Royce to his staff, but in the end, he doesn't inspect the engine. Luck? No. Just a heavy-handed German joke. This courageous nobleman is going to carry a spy to England. None of this is true. I'm no, then my third point. Your master flew this contraption near two German airfields. There's one near the Tripod. There are also German anti-aircraft guns on the coast there. I've studied the route. There are no German aircraft in the sky. No gunfire. This, this, this is our luck. Mr. Did you have the same luck with the RAF? No. They were around you like a swarm of bees before you were halfway across the channel. Explain that. You are the mechanic. Explain the retuning of the engine. This new high compression ratio. Who told you how to do it? Who supplied the tools? And explain the aviation petrol. Did you think the RAF wouldn't examine it? Why did the Germans help you? What was the bargain? I have nothing to tell you. You want me to send for your master and show him this report? Tell him about the petrol? Tell him how you betrayed him? What was the bargain? I have nothing to say. Marcel was a tough, stubborn peasant. He was clearly guilty, but he continued to protest. After the liberation, he was returned to France for trial. As he was being taken from jail to the courtroom, he was killed, run down by a fast-driven car that failed to stop. The French resistance had their own ideas of justice. You've been listening to Spycatcher with Bernard Archard as Colonel Areste Pinto. The script was written by Robert Barr and the program produced for the BBC by Charles Maxwell. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.